Welcome to Nudia's Mastermind. This podcast is a place where success and fulfillment meets. A space where I invite guests from all walks of life who have succeeded at a high level in a specific area. A space where we will share their champion stories, including the wins and the highs, but also the lows and the challenges, yet how their passion and consistency inspire them to keep pushing forward and creating major breakthroughs in their lives. Also sharing our why, sharing what fulfills us, because what's life about without enjoying the journey? Please subscribe, share, and rate us. My intention for all of our listeners is to be inspired into taking action to live the life that you truly desire. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Nudia's Mastermind. I have another fun episode, and I'm so excited for today's episode because we get to talk about some really important things, and my guests are just exceptional people. I have Katie and Josh from Pivot Adventure in the house. Welcome, guys. So some of you might know, some of you might not know, but I have a nonprofit foundation called Dreamers Foundation. And every year I put on a big fundraising event where I donate all the money that is raised to different charities. Well, this year I chose Pivot Adventure to help because they're extraordinary they are doing like a huge mission in life. Their purpose is everything to me. And, and you know, we'll talk a little more into detail, but I got to meet uh, Josh and Katie over coffee probably three months ago. Yeah. And I, you know, I said, hey, I'm going to do a fundraiser for you. And they're like, what? Okay, great. <laughs> That's amazing. Tell us more about you. <laughs> so then we got together for coffee. First, my outreach was to Josh, actually, and then we spent almost an hour on the phone just having this amazing conversation of the purpose of your your, uh, nonprofit foundation, which is to really help teens excel in life and find resilience through hard moments. And um, I was in my research, I was trying to find an organization I could donate to that was really helping correct and like just stop this whole teen suicide that we have in Utah because it's such a big issue that we have and so we got on the phone call for an hour and we could have talked even more (laughs) because it was just like it was educational for me and also just seeing what you guys are doing which is just exceptional and then so we go to coffee that's where I meet you um and yeah we just had such an amazing time again we could have talked for a lot longer so Josh and Katie are dedicating their lives for this purpose and this mission. And I just admire you so much. I'm so grateful that we have people like you. And um, I'll turn the time to you, you know, just to tell us a little bit more of like Pivot Adventure, but to help me just understand how this thing all started from the beginning. Like what drew you to launch this nonprofit organization? Absolutely. Um, Josh and I have always been interested in helping kids. That was kind of how we both met was through recreation and helping kids. So I started out helping in adaptive recreation. And so originally working with kids with autism, who were blind, who were deaf, all those things, and just thinking about kids and how to help them. And Josh and I both ended up in wilderness therapy, which was helping kids in the outdoors through those moments of inspiration and awe and helping them realize who they could be and what they could be. And In doing that, we were able to help a lot of kids, but we also realized that not every kid can sign up for a program like that where they are going to be out in the wilderness for months at a time. 
And we tried to see, we started thinking, how can we help kids and give them those moments of realization in a smaller time frame? And who are the, who's the number one group of kids that if we could help any group of kids, who would it be? And at that time, Josh and I realized that the number one cause of death for teens in Utah was suicide. And it broke our hearts because we both lost family members to suicide. And we just knew that we needed to step up and make some sort of program available, some sort of course where kids could learn that they have resilience and that they could learn skills to help them get through those hard moments before they run into them. Wow. Um, and, you know, I, I'm seeing, I'm sitting next to Katie. And so there's emotion through this. I'm sure you can probably hear it over the mic, but um, I think that all of us have been affected directly or indirectly by suicide. And I agree with you when I heard of the huge issue that we have here in Utah um, of teen suicide, the same thing happened for me of just feeling completely heartbroken of how is this happening? Why is this happening? And like, we cannot tolerate this any longer. What can we do as a community to really to really make a huge change in this. Like, I don't want to hear that another kid has lost their life by yeah. being taken taken from them. Like, I just, it, it's horrible. So thank you, well, thank you for sharing that. Well, and it's, it's happening younger and younger than we think. And uh, uh, you only have to go talk to some nurses. A lot of people know a nurse somewhere in their life and you go talk to a nurse and, you know, an eight-year-old will come and check into the ER because of a suicide attempt. And while the state is doing a really uh, better job in trying to educate the public, offering things like the suicide prevention hotlines, uh, Utah's app, and uh, through the U, uh, there's still a lot of work to be done. And uh, there's a huge gap between uh, the traditional talk therapy model and then the other side of it, which Katie was uh, talking about, which is the wilderness therapies, uh, residential treatment programs. And so you can sit down with someone for a couple hundred bucks for 50 minutes, uh, and hopefully you can get some insurance to cover some of that. And a lot of times they only cover the first four sessions or six sessions, something like that. And on the other end of the spectrum, you have the $50,000 plus programs. And most people can't afford that. Uh, and you are a lot of times parents, um, some of the saddest stories that we heard about through wilderness therapy in our own experiences, talking to those families who couldn't afford that and they're taking a second mortgage out and they're doing what they can because they'll, they'll do anything for their kids, right? And there's, a, like I said, there's this huge gap between those two uh, uh, types of treatment. There's not a lot available in between. Um, there's a couple things out there, but there's not a lot. And so Pivot uh, came out of those origins of trying to address that gap and what we could do to help teens. First off, local teens, not teens from out of state. It, not that they don't need help. Of course they need help, but there's not a lot of uh, programs and uh, opportunities for kids right here at home. And like we mentioned, the epidemic we have here in Utah, uh, where, you know, number one cause of death for teens. And um so that's where Pivot is really trying to aim to help is those teens that are, it's gonna help uh, kids that are locally, 
um, instead of doing a four month program, 24 seven, pulling and out they're, of school. They're expensive, right? These, these very programs very, very. Um, that is, it's, it's like, uh, if you don't have the resources or the funds, how do you even thousand dollars a day? It's what it costs. It, it costs a thousand dollars. It's insane. Most people just don't have that type of money. Right. No. Exactly. And then they're deciding between two kids. Do I worry about my oldest kid's college or my youngest kid's mental health? And they're trying to make parents are put in this right. terrible position where they can't, there's no good choices. And not to mention these programs that do pull them out of everything, the residential programs. And sometimes there's a need for that, but a lot of times there's not. And a lot of times that means that they are walking away from the few things in life that are going really well for them. Maybe they're doing really well in drama class or on their soccer team. And now they're getting pulled out of that and having to say to their friends, yeah, I'm getting sent away for six months. I'm getting sent away for eight weeks. And they have to explain that that's embarrassing. And then they don't have those friends to be there to support them. They're pulled out of their families. And sometimes that causes a rift between mom and dad and the kids. And when those parents could be really great support people for them. Right. So we wanted to address that as well. And so not only do we do these adventure activities once a week where we learn these lessons and we learn these skills, but there's a parent webinar that happens afterwards where we teach the parents the same skills and we introduce a shared language. So now the kids can say, mom and dad, I think this is black and white thinking, I think, and they can call it out. And it's, and it becomes this, we're learning something together. Wow. And what's really amazing about that is it's not, hey kid, you're broken. It's, hey, mental health is important for all of us. And we're learning these skills together. Wow. And that just allows it to be something that we can talk about. It takes away those stigmas and allows it to be in a space where this is normalized. And the this label, is, of, yeah. like, there's something wrong with you. Yep. No, there's nothing wrong with you. We're all humans. We're all experiencing emotions. And I have to tell you, you're the first program that I've ever heard of that includes the parents' education in this. Thank you. Thank you. And that is so powerful to me of like, you're having the most precious thing in life. That's your child going through something very difficult and, and getting this uplifting education and, and understanding of what they're going through. And at the same time that the parent gets to also, I think it's so beautiful that you guys really included that part of it. I really haven't heard of anyone else Thank integrating you. both. And so my hat's off to you, how important and cohesive that becomes. Right. And, you know, we're big believers in, in that the environment dictates so much of our behavior. And so yes. uh, we can change our environment in ways uh, that lead us towards better decisions. And so a simple example is this, if you're a cafeteria, uh, work in a cafeteria for, for kids, um, you can position the fruits and vegetables in a way where it's more appealing, right? You don't do it at the end, you don't do it at the bottom, you are too high for kids. You do it right there at eye level, right? And uh, so you can position uh, healthy food in a way that, you know, kids can grab and you move the junk food in a way where it's easy, harder to get to. And so taking that small and simple example, you can do that at home as a parent, right? You can change things in your environment that lead towards better decision-making. And you know, two things we talked about just a minute ago is, uh, you know, we talked about labels. Labels is such a huge thing. Uh, I, you know, there's a there's probably like four real uh, challenges in the mental health industry for teens in particular. And one of those things you mentioned was labels. And labels are such an important um, uh, thing to understand. Is that you know um, these teens get diagnosed with something 
and that label can stick with them their entire lives. And that's really difficult for teens because their brains aren't fully developed and understand that labels can be changed, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's not to ignore a diagnosis, but it's not the only thing that defines us. And that's so, not your identity. Exactly. Your identity is not your label. Exactly. Right? And, and that's really one... hard as a teen because you're in that spot where you're yes. forming your identity. Exactly. And if you just got handed this really solid, concrete who you are in a time when you don't know who you are, that can be really tough to change that yeah. idea later. And you don't need somebody to do a snap judgment on you when they're just reading your file. And so uh, we need to understand that labels are a human invention. If one is not working, we can drop that and find a new one that works better for us. That's so and good. I just clapped. <laughs> <laughs> I silently clapped like, well, that's so and, good. And then the other thing I wanted to point out that was just brought up a minute ago was skills. And so to understand, uh, there's a huge difference between skills and talent. Talent is something that we're born with. Uh, I love basketball. And unfortunately, I was not born with a large enough hand to quite, I'm like right there to quite grip a basketball with one hand. And as much as I focus all my energy on trying to grab a basketball with one hand, I can't do it uh, because I wasn't born with long enough fingers to do it. <laughs> so that's a talent that we're born with. Not all of us are born six, seven and can dunk a basketball like LeBron James. That's a talent. Uh, now there's everything else in life, mostly I would say like the 99% of stuff in life is skills and skills are taught, they're learned, yes. nobody is born and it's like, wow, the doctor's not like, it's a great public speaker, right? right. <laughs> right? Yes. It's, you learn to become a great public speaker, you, you right, through practice. And it turns out mental health skills are practiced too, wow. you know, so we can practice these skills over time and develop these skills together. And that's why it's important to incorporate the parents and the, and the kids, because they can learn these skills too, and they can improve on those skills. And if it's something that you can learn, it means you can practice it and get better at it. And so that's our focus is, is a skills-based course rather than the the deep Freudian work, which is important out there, but we're not focused on, well, tell us your, uh, you know, the hardest things that you ever gone through and we're going to tell you how to fix it. And there is no map. There's no step-by-step -step set of instructions to live a life of joy, meaning, and happiness. You have to discover that yourself. And so our job is to spark that light bulb, that aha moment. And if we can do that out there in the field with these teens and just, just for that, that aha moment, then a whole bunch of things open up and that is possibility when we open up that door and we don't know what will happen next. And so we want students to understand that they have more power than they ever have imagined. You just need to act accordingly and change that posture. And so that's what we're doing out there. And that's why we incorporate the adventure aspects. Right. And so when we go I love that rock, so much that you're taking them into nature, right? Because nature, you feel more connected. You, you, you understand that there's just such a bigger world out there. You know, I feel like problems become so much smaller right. when you get to be by the ocean or the mountains or, and just the connection to mother earth just brings that completely different energy. It's almost like you connect to a higher power through nature for me personally. And 
So I just love so much that you're bringing them out and you're bringing them out. Like how you mentioned earlier, you're not taking them somewhere really far away or shipping them off somewhere. Right. <laughs> it's literally in their backyard. Like you're mm -hmm. just taking them up 15 minutes away from here. Exactly. And then you're teaching them. This is what you can do. If you ever feel this way, you know where to go, mm -hmm. go, you know, go right. on a hike. You can like, go with mom and dad next week yes. if you want to. And to your point, we had with connecting with nature you know, there's some kids you wouldn't think that was the solution. And yet it is. Um, I had one kid who he was really struggling. He would have angry outbursts sometimes to the point that the other moms on the block said he's not allowed in any of our houses. And he just wow. got completely alienated from his whole neighborhood. And he would have these explosive moments sometimes because he didn't know what to do with those emotions. When he got frustrated or he was embarrassed, he turned bright red and then he just would explode. And he just needed to figure out how to calm that down. And for him, identifying flowers with me <laughs> calmed him down. That's amazing. And yeah. all we had to do was walk side by side. Hey, let's just take a break from it. Let's go, let's walk, give ourselves a little space. And he could walk and he would help me figure out the firecracker and the sunflower. And we'd be doing that for 15 minutes. And then he could talk about why he really got upset. And he's like, actually, it really hurt my feelings. And I didn't want him to know that my feelings are hurt, but those are all the emotions I had. And we were able to say, you know, sometimes we don't need to fix it right in the moment. We don't need to try and tell this person that they're wrong or try to figure out where we're right, but we just need to calm down first and then come back to it. And then the boys had their apologies and they were fine. And it's just wow. learning those skills to calm down and nature can ground us mm -hmm. and also give us space to explore because we don't have to be in a tiny little classroom where everybody's on top of each other we can spread out a little bit on the trail we can experience things we haven't experienced before josh was talking about skills and how we're learning skills and those take time it's not something that like a 30-minute lecture can teach you exactly what you need to know no. but rather we're coming back to the hiking trail and back to the climbing wall for eight weeks in a row and so what i love to see is what we call dancing with the fear. And whether your fear is of talking in a social situation or whether your fear is going up on this rock climbing wall for the first time, we are actually able to help the kids experience just a touch of that, just kind of getting outside their comfort zone just a little bit. And when those emotions start to come in, we're there to support them and talk through it. So if a kid goes up a rock climbing wall for the first time and they're like, oh my gosh, all the things, all the feels happen. And yeah. maybe they're getting sweaty. Maybe their heart is racing. Maybe they're thinking, I can't do this. You're not good enough. Who do you think you are? You're not a rock climber. And bam, they just got hit with emotion bullet, right? Yeah. And <laughs> it's like, like that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good one. We yeah. have permission to make up one new term with yeah. every podcast. It is yours. <laughs> yeah, it's it in is the yours. contract. <laughs> right? And then to have them come down and let's talk about how that emotion bullet hits you. Yeah. And let's talk about what we can do to work through that, what we can do to calm down our bodies or, hey, you can't make those voices stop that say you're not good enough, but you don't have to hold on to them. You can let them pass. And talking through these different kind of coping skills. It's so amazing. And then they get to go home and try it with mom and dad. Okay, so I tried it at school and sometimes it worked really great the first time. Sometimes it doesn't. It's like, you know what? I couldn't calm down. What else can we do? How can we try that again next time? So it's not like you were in this beautiful little perfect environment, but you actually got to go to school and try it out and now come back and talk about it and get support again and so do powerful. that for eight weeks. Well, That's why it works. That's why yeah. you're seeing the results because you're 
if the the strategy and the whole system of what this has been built on like it's so powerful and and katie's talking about there too is this concept of fail fail again fail better right like i mentioned earlier there's no math to this you know we don't have all the answers right to fix these problems you have to find that out within and so when we put our uh students in an environment where it's okay to fail Right. And in fact, if you're always succeeding, that means you're not trying hard enough. Right. Yeah. If you're always getting to the top of the rock climb, well, then you're probably not trying a hard, you need to try a harder rock climb. Right. And, uh, and so uh, I love this conversation because what we're really talking about here is tension and creating the right kind of tension. And when tension comes, we start squirming. Right. We put a microphone in front of us and we start squirming just a little bit. Right. I'm uncomfortable. With this, right? Not now. I'm feeling good. <laughs> but, but, but you could you but you could feel like, oh, I'm gonna change my posture a little bit. I'm gonna make sure because tension is in the air, right? Yeah. And so when we can ramp up the tension in a way and students can't get out of it because they're dangling 40 feet off the ground and they're like, oh wow, I'm really scared right now. And that emotion of the fear taking over, right? Overriding our system, right? The amygdala, that's part of our biology, right? That we, uh, you know, as much as we try, uh, that fear is not going to go away. And so we have to learn instead to absolve that tension is to learn to dance with it, dancing with that fear, as Katie was talking about. It's a huge uh, saying we have with our students is that you can't make that go away. And it turns out it's not just teens that are dealing with this, right? All I was going to say, yeah, you guys need to be teaching all adults to like, this is so, right. this is, these are just skills for every human being. But I love that you're also giving the, the understanding to the children and the parents. So, and, and often I speak, when I'm speaking to people about in, in different groups, I, I talk about it. It's like, you don't get a specific like card that says you're not a human you're not going to feel these emotions exactly. and sensations through life like we pull people up on pedestals mm -hmm. you know of like oh they're so successful or they're such a great public speaker right. and I tell the people like whoever you highly admire is still a human being just like mm -hmm. you and just like you they have some sensations and emotions and we just learn to like let them flow through us. We, yeah. we know how we learn the skills to, oh, I'm feeling the fear. And I love what, that you guys call it dancing with the fear. It's like, we all feel it. Yeah. Every human being feels it. And it's like understanding what it's trying to tell me. Okay, so that I'm feeling these sensations, these emotions, and I can still take the action anyway. Mm -hmm. right. And, and other, other emotions, the sadness. Okay, what is sadness trying to tell me here? Mm -hmm. uh, anger, for yeah. example, for that kid, anger really was born from pain. Mm -hmm. And so once you start just understanding what they're trying to tell you, and then once you get the answer, because all the answers are within you, right. it's like, oh, okay, this is what... And this is what I'm experiencing. This is what the message I'm trying to, that my body's trying to tell me. Now I know how to maneuver and navigate. This. Exactly. And, and that's how you learn. Because, you know, if I, uh, if I struggle with my temper, then when I get angry, it's an opportunity to learn to be better at managing those emotions of, of my temper, right? Or if I'm nervous about 
uh, giving a presentation in front of my class. Well, when I have a project and I have to give a presentation, it's an opportunity to learn and practice that skill. And so we feel these emotions that you're talking about. And immediately we think, oh, that's bad. I don't want to do that. But we reframe that in a way where it's like, no, this is an opportunity for me to learn something here. Then again, that opens up that possibility and opens up that door for something else to happen rather than you know, going back, to bit, yeah, going yeah. back to habitual habits that we've so set much. up, which we all do. We have these uh, habitual patterns that we do. And there's a trigger and a cycle, right? And so that cycle can send us in good directions and or directions that are more desirable. And it can send us in other directions that maybe are less desirable. But at least if we can learn and understand that there, there's a trigger behind this, then we're learning something about ourselves and what it means to be human, really. And I love that the kids can practice it in an environment that is not high stakes right. because so often our strong emotions come at a moment when it's high stakes. So, you know, you, they have their first fight with their boyfriend or girlfriend that's high stakes for them. That is like end of the world. If this doesn't go right, you know, or it's, it's mom and dad about going, doing something really important or, you know, for some of the adults out there, it's like, Oh, job interview. You know, yeah, our presentation, first presentation, or, yeah. our first time to experience these really stressful emotions are in high stakes environments. And, you know, there's no, as Josh would say, basketball player who would go take that three pointer for the first time at the championship game. There's no singer who would try the highest high note the first time on stage in front of audience of 1200 people. No, they would practice it somewhere yeah. else in a safe and supportive environment. Well, that's what we're offering to these kids is the ability to fail, maybe not make it to the top of the rock climb and come down early. And that's okay. But to deal with that failure. And I had a kid who did not want to try any rock climbs that she didn't know she could do. She only wanted to do the ones that she knew she would top out on and look good on and be impressive on. And she was an amazing climber and I wanted to push her. I wanted to push her to the point that she failed to the point where it's okay if you didn't get to the top. She didn't want to experience those emotions of maybe embarrassment, maybe just disappointment, but any of those bad feels, she didn't want to touch with those. And we needed to practice that in an environment where it's safe, where maybe you didn't get a bad grade in front of the entire class and have to deal with this in front of the entire class. Instead, you just didn't make it to the top and we're going to try again. Do you want to try that one again in five minutes? Do you want to talk about what we could do better? And being able to assess it not as a point of catastrophe, but just as, hey, this time I didn't do it. And that's okay. Getting to that point of that's okay in a safe and supportive environment is key for these kids. What an important lesson for her too, of like, you don't get to just when all the time, that's just not real life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that it's okay to feel, it's okay to try again. It's about the getting up. Like what a beautiful lesson. The person that fails the most is the one who's going to win. And that's the reality of life is that, you know, even with Pivot, we have failed way more times than we have <laughs> succeeded. And, uh, and because of that, uh, we've been able to navigate that tension. We, that's why we're still here and succeeding and, and, and growing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's where the path of a warrior, that's something we talk about too with our students is learning how to become a warrior, adopting this mm-hmm. posture of, you know, people like us can do hard things like this. And it's that space is where we can learn and become, you know, our best self, become a warrior, right? 
And so uh, I love that. Yeah. And you guys are amazing. <laughs> like, all this information you're you're sharing and things I've studied, and I'm just like you're you're just at a high level. Oh, seriously, of, of, so of being able to just teach well, these kids, it's amazing. Well, Bob Dylan, uh, the great uh, singer and <laughs> singer, right? <laughs> songwriter, more of a songwriter than singer. But uh, anyway, uh, he put up three uh, really terrible gospel albums at, as low as point in his career and I don't know if you ever sat down and listened to those albums they're they they I mean they sound like Bob Dylan but they don't really sound like Bob Dylan and uh it was really at a low point in his career and uh the thing I realized of looking at somebody who's put out I don't know 30 albums something like that uh one of the greatest uh songwriters of our uh, of our time of all time um you realize that the greatest hits don't come right at the beginning right and mm -hmm. that's something that Katie I was thinking of when Katie was talking about the story yeah. about that student is that they wanted to have their greatest hits the first time they go out climbing but really the greatest hits come after a long and large body of work and then you can look back and go oh yeah there's that moment and oh there was that project or there was that thing and, and that's when we can look back but you can't do that unless you are willing to be vulnerable and that's mm -hmm. something that we teach a ton with our students and, uh, you know, vulnerability is just this idea of dealing with uncertainty, uh, being exposed, and, and risk. Those are the three things that define vulnerability, is that putting ourselves out there on center stage and saying, this is me, and this is what I'm going to, you know, this is what I'm here to do, regardless of all those noises in our head that says that we're not good enough. And this is a huge uh, concept that we teach in our, with our students, is the idea that there is shame in all of our lives. As humans, that's yes. part of our problem is that we uh, call it a genetic defect if you want. <laughs> but so there's uh, the idea of making a mistake, right? Is, oh, I made a mistake. This, uh, you know, that sucks. I'll try it again, right? Whereas shame comes in and says, no, 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 you are the mistake. Yeah, that's and awful. it's this broken yeah. record player. So many kids right? Brene Brown talks about exactly. it. Exactly. This is Brene Brown's material right here. Yeah. I'm, and I'm totally stealing it. But, Do it. No, but it's but, so good. But it, it is so important that everybody has uh, understand this concept that shame is the broken record player that plays over and over and over again. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And if you can break through that, then you're getting hit with a second layer and it's, well, who do you think you are? And so when we uh, can recognize those voices in our head and we call them balloon noises there's a whole story behind that I think I shared that on our Instagram <laughs> anyway but when we can uh we'll understand Instagram. Go look for it yes there we go <laughs> uh but when we can uh put aside and just acknowledge those voices say thank you for letting me know I'm still going to go do this anyway regardless of what happens that that tension again that this might work and this might not work but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. And that's where we get this opportunity to create art and to create uh, moments that are worth remembering. And, and, and also like helping them discover their real identity, mm -hmm. right? It's like, I often say this, like, I'm the voice, not the chatter. Wow, I, I like love that. that. That's good. I love that. Because right? we all the have voice. a chatter. Mm -hmm. But you get to, you get to choose, like, okay, chatter, you're there, you're there all the time, that I'm not good enough, who am I to think, who do I think I am to yeah. do this? That chatter is fiction, really. It is not real, yes. You know, I control <laughs> this, yes. I control yeah. this. I'm still going to do it anyway. I'm the voice, not the chatter. Right. 
Yeah. Your brain is looking for a right idea. It's mm -hmm. just throwing out ideas, but you don't have to pick yeah. all of your brain's ideas. They're just thoughts. Mm -hmm. So to find that narrative, which one you actually want to run with, that's part of becoming that adult and finding that identity. And sifting through all of those, you know, hard emotional things. I was just thinking the other day, um, just connecting with some of the students. And one of the topics that I like to bring up, and I don't use this word, but it's it's called scientifically titration. It's adding a little bit. If you were to add an acid in a base in a big quantity, you'd have an explosion, right? And I think of that emotionally, because if you add all these emotions together, big explosion, kids, <laughs> like adults, that. none of us can handle it. Yeah. But if you take a little bit of that acid and a little bit of that base and do it a little bit at a time, you get tiny fizzles and you can add just as much and just have it fizzle for a long time and not ever reach that point of explosion. And that's what we're trying to do with the kids mm -hmm. is we're trying to allow them a point where they can let a little fizzle happen. They can feel these strong emotions in just a little increment and then step away and have a break. Because a lot of these kids don't realize that these emotions aren't gonna last forever. Yeah, they don't see a way out of that moment. Like this is such a hard moment. Tony Robbins talks about this when people have an experience um, deep depression or even suicidal thoughts, that it's your blueprint of the life that you wanted is less than what you've envisioned. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's sadness. But then when you don't see a way out, yep. that's when the depression and the suicidal thoughts Mm -hmm. if you have zero control mm -hmm. over exactly. getting out and like well there's a huge uh gap between our expectations and then what seeing the world as it really is our, our reality right and the perception of that and that's we, we actually talked about that with our parents for specifically a, a ton that realizing that you know when they come into the course they have this perception of what their child should be Right. Mm. And then not to mention all the, the shame part of it as a parent that and as a community, like, we right. sadly have a lot of that here in right. Utah, a lot of that shame oh, absolutely. aspect that mm -hmm. comes into play. And absolutely. And so all the time. we come in and, and tell, uh, try to recalibrate that expectation where it's okay. You have the perception of where you think your child should be or where you should be as a parent and you're here a little bit lower. Right. And what we're trying to do over the next eight weeks with these, with these families is okay, let's uh, let's set a goal. And then when we get there, not reset another goal that's higher because now we're at a higher plane, right? We're, we're performing better. And so we never actually reach that perfection because every time we hit the jump, the bar, we're looking at the moving the bar higher. And so you can get discouraged thinking, oh, I can never, I'm never perfect. Right. And that's that shame never cycle good again, enough. never yeah. good enough. And so instead we uh, tell our parents in particular and, and the students look back where you were from eight weeks ago. Mm -hmm and measure from there and see where I was and now where I am today. And celebrate that. Exactly. Have a victory so lap. <laughs> and I, I mean, even with my team, like it's, it's a consistent, yes, we have big goals and then we continue to, to aspire for higher ones, you know, because I, I'm all about growth and evolving. That's we a huge are. value. But guess what? If you're not celebrating the journey and like really enjoying it, what's the point of it right. all? Absolutely. You can't just keep chasing the carrot mm -hmm. and not and not just yeah, just really celebrate when you've come, when you've taken a step further and up, and you keep going. It's it's important. I love to highlight that with the students with a story of think about an Olympic athlete who made silver medal. 
think about all of the things that they had to do to get to that point. Who they worked really hard in high school and they won state. Probably they lost state a few times before they won state, but they finally make it to state and then they go to nationals and then they're competing at a world level and they get into the Olympics, but they probably don't win the first time. And then they finally do amazing and they get the silver medal. What do you think about that person? <laughs> and just leaving it out there and saying, do we all focus on, well, maybe they can get the gold next year. Or do we say, oh my gosh, this is the second best person in the world at this activity. That is a huge accomplishment. And even if they never make gold, are they not amazing? And is that not fantastic that they worked that hard? So yeah. what is your internal narrative? And asking the students, which internal narrative do you lean towards? Try and get the gold next year? Or, hey, that's really amazing. And just think about how you judge yourself and what narrative you use when you're telling your own story. Do mm -hmm. you allow yourself to be a fantastic silver medalist sometimes? Do you allow yourself to be the hero in your story? Do you allow yourself to be an accomplished, wonderful person instead of always thinking about the next thing or where maybe you didn't work perfect? Because none of us are going to be perfect. Yeah, this perfection is like it's non-existent. It's, non <laughs> it's like the lowest standard you can have because it's impossible to reach. Mm -hmm. So I love that so exactly. much and, and how important that is. I want to shift gears in talking about you. Another huge piece of why this is so successful, your program, is we talked about these children not having a place of belonging, not feeling like they have community, and how this program's really created that for these kids. I just would love to for you guys to share some of that and some of the stories. Oh, absolutely. One of the main resiliency factors in um, getting outside of suicide ideation and things like that is to have a cohort that you feel like you belong in. And that might be your family, that might be your church, that might be scouts, it could be anything like that. Um, one of the difficult problems with cohorts though is that if you feel like you are now outside of that group for any reason, and that might happen in a church because of sexuality, it might happen in a family if you break some of the family rules or family dynamics, it can happen. Um, in any of these places. So one of the things that we thought is how can we add another set of cohorts where they belong? And so hopefully the ones at home are working and we want to strengthen those and that is great. And also where's another set of cohorts that we can give them? So our goal with Pivot is to have introduced them to three new cohorts by the time they leave. Wow. So uh, the first one is their, their group of students. And we see this with everyone wanting phone numbers at the end of the course and wanting oh, yeah. to be friends and we, talking about the next we thing. We have courses or kids, uh, groups in the past who still get together like a year later and things like that. They just do it like a random meetup and things like That's that. That's wonderful. Pizza parties and things like that. Yeah, so their group, we try, when we run a scholarship class, we try to get it at the same school so that the kids will see each other and have yeah. somebody they can talk to. And they might, they're gonna talk about all their deep dark things but they are going to say, I know that person. I know that person supported me on that rock climb. I remember them cheering for me, those types of things. I remember doing that silly game with that person. And there's somebody at their school who, who they know and have had an experience with that's, that's special. We also want them to leave. They'll have done two activities with us by the time they leave. So they can also identify as a hiker or a rock climber or a snowshoer or a cross-country skier or any of these things. And there's a new community within our location 
where they can say, oh, I could join a, a hikers group on Facebook or TikTok or anything like that. Or and I could go to the rock climbing gym because I, I know they showed me where that is. I know that Momentum has rock climbers and I could sign up for a class or I could go with even moms will ask us, how do we get into this? And we'll say, oh yeah, They're like you can go and belay them or they can meet another friend. They can go rock climbing with a kid from this class at the gym. And so introducing those and giving them again, more identities, more groups, more sense of community, where if they ever don't fit in one box, that's fine. Pick another label. Mm, I love that. That's so good. And, and the fact that, you know, we experienced this through COVID during COVID and, and having to uh, be isolated, right? You're by yourself. Um, and there were so many mental health issues that came, came from that. And so connection and love to each other is a human need. So right. we must feel connected. And so just imagining these children just feeling so alone and then they're coming into your program and now they have opportunity to feel connected, to feel like loved and support from each other. And that that could on its own, that can save somebody's life just by, by that. To have fun, to be in an environment where play is encouraged. You know, see kids throwing snowballs at each other. To see kids building a snow fort or to, we built had days where we got inventive and we brought out extra ropes and they built tarp shelters and we're trying to figure out how to do it together. And just that element of creativity and play that, that helps humans connect is something that we can, that we can do. It's amazing. So let's talk a little bit about like the logistics part of it. So you guys are able to help these children and now, now it's been a process with the school system, right? Um, so tell us a little bit about what that looks like. So uh, that's a lot of my job, so I'll probably take that question. Uh, so I work uh, uh, a lot with um, the mental health directors with the school districts. And uh, what we'll do is we'll go and uh, we'll raise money um, and then we'll take that, that money uh, as a scholarship and provide six scholarships for one school. And so the, I work with the mental health directors to get me in contact with school counselors. Then we work with the school counselors to find six kids who could benefit from an act, you know, a, a course like this. And, and what's the what's a typical cost for a child it, to go through the program? It, it's twelve hundred dollars per scholarship, and they get eight eight activities. Uh, we'll provide all the transportation. We provide all the equipment, all the instruction, and of course our curriculum, uh, all the Zoom calls. Uh, so it, there's no like hidden fees or anything like that. It covers everything. And we've tried really hard to bring that number as low as we can. And, uh, you know, uh, and we're really proud of that actually, because yeah. uh, if you think that sitting down with a therapist uh, uh, could be, you know, $100 to $200 an hour for 50 minutes, um, you're getting four hours uh, for every activity for 150 bucks. Yeah. Plus a pair of webinar. Plus the parent webinar. Yeah, so every time. every time. So every time a kid goes out there, it's 150 bucks. And uh, so we're really, really yeah. proud of that for what we're offering and value. Com and especially compared to the $30,000 programs exactly. we're talking about. It's exactly. like, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, so I'll take, we'll take those scholarships. Uh, we'll work with the counselors a ton and trying to find six students who would benefit from this. Once the uh, counselors have identified the six students and uh, I'm working with the parents to get all the paperwork done. Uh, and then what we do is we show up with a 15 passenger van and we tell them, okay, kids, your whole life been told never to walk in a van with strangers, but today we're going to ignore that rule. <laughs> and here's, uh, here's some clip bars for you. <laughs> uh, and then we'll, we'll pick them up right after school. 
Uh, and so the parents don't need to come and do anything. Um, we'll pick them up after school. We'll take them up to the mountains, do an adventure activity. Uh, rock climbing is our most important one and most popular one, I would say. Uh, and then um, we bring them back to the school, parents pick them up, uh, and then we jump on Zoom call an hour later and all the parents and the guides work mm. with the parents there. So that's so we that's a kind of a typical day, I would say, for, for yeah. pivot and typical class. Then we'll work with them for eight weeks. We'll get a couple weeks off and then we start it back over again. <laughs> so awesome. we'll usually run like four or five sessions a year, uh, usually with that cycle. And how um, many kids are usually in just one? Six, six, six kids. So it is the six. Yeah, okay. six mm -hmm. kids and two guys, which is an incredible ratio, one to three ratio. Uh, the the industry standard, uh, which is wilderness therapy that you go off and the state requirements is that you could have an expedition group up to 16 participants. And Katie and I have been out there with, uh, you know, 14 students and two and us two. That's and I'll tough. tell you, it is like herding cattle mm -hmm. rather than actually doing any mental health work because you're, I, you're just trying connection. to keep, yeah, you're just trying to yeah. keep kids safe at that point. And so we focus really, really hard on trying to bring that ratio to a more reasonable number. And so you have two guides, six students. That what's great about that number is the students can't hide, right? They have to yeah. participate. You can't, you, you know, the, the guides can notice what's going on. If someone's off today, they can go and do some extra work with that student. Um, it's really good. It gives the quality. Yeah, it gives the quality that it needs for it to mm -hmm. like really get the results you're, you're wanting. Right. And that's really hard because, uh, you know, we've really taken a stand on this because um, a lot of groups out there want to see like bigger numbers and bigger, you know, we have more impact. And what we're focused on is not the quantity, but the quality, like you're mentioning. Boom. And when yeah. we can actually invest in these students and, you know, the typical student will work 45 hours with us per class. And that's a lot compared to, you know, 45 sessions <laughs> sitting yeah. down with somebody over a 40, over a year period, right? And we get eight weeks that we can sprint together and we're going to go as fast and hard as we can. If we trip and fall, we'll help pick you up and we're going to keep going. And by the end of it, it's done. And you can look back and look at all the progress you made in eight weeks. And that is really what we're trying to do with this is that it's impactful. It's a short period of time. We're in this together and let's make a memory out of it and make it something that you're going to learn and, and grow from. I love that. Do you, um, I just love to give some tips or nuggets to perhaps some of the parents that are listening to this yeah. that, you know, if they're starting to see that their, their child is having some issues and they're suffering through some of these just mental um, voices, you know, or just mm -hmm. the chatter and the mental wellness aspect. Like, what are some tips that you could give to a parent for them to be able to help their child? Sure. You go first. I know we both have. Some. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you guys have a few. This is great. Uh, one of the first things I would say to do is to normalize it. And on that level, it means maybe being open with your kid about some things that, that you struggled with. And I don't mean your deepest, darkest things, but one of the things we do in the webinars is we'll, we'll talk about how parents might have had a really hard time at work today. And hey, you know what? My boss said something that really hurt my feelings. I was really proud of the work I did and man, it was really hard today. And just those small nuggets, things like that, they start to say, oh, it's okay to talk about feelings. 
it's okay to see that these things are are difficult and that parents go through these sometimes too. And being able to see that parents deal with that and it often opens the door to let the kids talk about it. Cause you know, the teens don't, they don't just come home and go, oh, all these things happen. No, especially teens are like, right. oh, they don't. I don't want to talk to my How mom and dad. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> fine, no, none. Um, and also being able to get out and get moving with your kids. That's one of my favorite. There's a whole science on it about bilateral stimulation and, and things you can look into. But basically, if you're moving your left side and your right side, it distracts your emotional brain just a little bit and helps it to not take over. So there's a reason that going out in the backyard and shooting hoops with kids, because here we are moving, uh, will help to distract that and keep it quiet so that your, your, your smart brain, your adult brain, your prefrontal cortex can be doing the thinking part. That, that makes sense because exercise does that, right? Yep. Like that's why I love exercising. Running, yes. rock climbing, hiking, so important. basketball, cross-country skiing, all the sports we've chosen incorporate that movement and it allows us to kind of be calm. So if you're a parent who's having a hard time getting your kid to open up a little bit or even to be able to be willing to talk about emotional things, then that could be something you can do. Go out, go for a walk with them convince them to go on a bike ride with you and just start a little bit of a chatter. A lot of times those things can also be really helpful for a parent because you're not just sitting right in front of you and say, tell me about your feelings. Look straight in my eyes and tell me your feelings. <laughs> Nobody wants to do that, but it can be a lot easier if you're shooting hoops and just grabbing, okay, yeah, my friend hurt my toes today. Walk. Just going on a walk. Right? Oh, okay. How, you know, what should we do about that? Hey, I'm, we can't always fix it, but I'm here for you. And I'm sorry you feel that way. That's beautiful. For me, uh, the best piece of advice for parents is uh, that we talked about shame earlier and understanding that every passing moment is a chance to turn it all around. And so, uh, you know, you're, you haven't dug a hole that you can't get out of. Uh, and, uh, and understanding that, you know, because a lot of times there's a lot of feel, intense feelings that, you know, I feel responsible for where my kid is at. And for rightly so, because we, we, we love that child so much and we want what's best for them. And so uh, for me, it really goes back to uh, that shame cycle that we talked about and those noises in our head. And if we can just for a moment, uh, push that aside and understand that, okay, um, you know, we, we talked about this earlier, but that understand that, you know, we, when we push those, uh, those noises to the side, then we're clearing the chatter for just a moment and really sitting with that tension and uh, understanding that we can move forward with regardless of where we have to get here. Um, and so uh, for me, that's a that's a really big thing I like to focus on is just rather that, that growth process and you know, growth mindset rather than the fixed mindset. And so if we're understanding that, okay, we can open up more possibilities here. And sometimes it's just simply reframing. And that's something that's really powerful with the webinars uh, with the parents is that, um, you know, I always talk about it's the most important 45 minutes every week because, uh, you know, when parents get an opportunity to reframe how their journey has been through this with their, with their kid, uh, it just seems to lighten up. Everybody just seems to lighten up a little bit. And when we lighten up, then, we're, we're just, we're a little bit more fun to be with. We're a little more relaxed. We don't take things so seriously. Yeah. Right. And so that's, that's a really big thing for me with, uh, when I'm talking to parents, is just like how, um, how 
well, how can we reframe the story that we already are telling ourselves about as, as a parent or how or the expectations, know, the expectations. Yeah, exactly yeah, powerful mm -hmm. yeah. there's a there's a word for this and it's uh, uh it's called sonder um and sonder is the moment you realize that the voice in your head is different from everybody else's and so uh, you know, um, so Katie has a voice in her head that's different from mine, right? And a lot of times that uh, can create conflict because I think I'm telling a story and she's telling a story and then we, and then there's natural collisions with that. And that's the same with a parent-child relationship, like there's natural collisions with this. And so when we understand that the story that our child is telling about themselves and about the world and about them, right, is different than the story I'm telling myself about the yeah, child, we're right? All going and, through it. Yeah, right, exactly. And so understanding that chatter through Sonder, I think, is a really important one. Yeah, that's I had one other tidbit I want to share with the listeners yeah. that I just think it might be um, pertinent here. And that is helping the, their children understand that this won't last forever. Yeah. That this, we always say, well, high school doesn't last forever, but also understanding that these emotions don't last forever. We know from from all sorts of scientific studies that hormones make emotions very strong. And it might be the smallest little thing that just brings us to tears when someone is going through hormone changes and shifts. So understanding that our kids right now in that middle school to high school age, they are feeling things very strongly totally. and it is overwhelming. And anyone who's pregnant can probably, who's ever been pregnant can probably relate to that. Anyone who's ever felt that or been on a hormone therapy has felt that strong, strong emotion. So if we can help our kids understand that these are not forever emotions, that this breakup emotion isn't going to be forever, that failing a class, this emotion is not going to last forever, not making the sports team, this feeling isn't going to last forever. And even helping them break out of it, maybe going to ice cream, maybe something like that, but helping them to just flow with that and let it pass and help them understand that that's when you can that's one of the a really strong key in helping to move away from the suicide ideation or the cutting or the things that they're doing to try to cope with this emotion is help them understand and help them move through that phase and let it be that titration that we talked about feel a little bit of the feels and now go and do something different help them next, help them the find next the next activity and let the invite the next emotion through music through play through mm -hmm. just breaking things up and realizing this doesn't this feeling doesn't last forever I love the the way you guys really project that dance you know of like you're not avoiding the emotion you're facing it yet finding a quick way to then pull out of it and that that is beautiful um I could continue conversation with you guys forever but just coming towards the end of our episode today, just so many great nuggets and education and information on this extraordinary program that you guys have. Uh, what is the future for Privet Adventure? What are some of your guys' goals? Because I want to help you guys raise a bunch of funds, you know, to, to help you with where you what where you want to get to. Well, the the biggest need we have is uh, scholarships and. Uh, so, uh, you know, the, the gala that we have that you're putting on in November, uh, November 11th, right? November 11th, <laughs> November 11th. It's, <laughs> uh, it, it's gonna go to a good cause. It's gonna help uh, teens go through this eight week course. Uh, and that's, that's usually the biggest need we have because there's just so many teens. Uh, like for instance, we had a summer program 
um, last year, this year, this summer and last summer, we've been putting on some summer programs with a few of the school districts. And, you know, we'll open up 100 slots and we'll have 200 applications in, in 48 hours. And we're just like, we're, it's overwhelming how mm -hmm. many uh, families are looking for some kind of, uh, of course or program or alternatives because uh, the focus of mental health is real. And so that's a huge thing that we're always raising money for is scholarship, scholarships. Um, the, the programs uh, or the course itself, um, we've really fine-tuned the course, I feel like, to a point you know, we've run 29 courses this uh, in the last uh, three years or something like that. And so, um, you know, so we have a, a, a huge data set there at that point that we've really figured out what works, what doesn't work. Um, what I think what we can continue to grow is try to get this into school districts as a curriculum. I think that's a huge goal that we have. Yeah, <laughs> we need it. Get that as a curriculum. And our ultimate dream would be to have a mental health gym. Yeah. And it would be, it would be a community center where kids could come and get after school help and have therapists available. And these outings would be going every day that you could check in and get on the bus and go do one of these activities and wow. go find somebody to hang out with, to talk to, and a place where the community could be. And it's okay if you're not okay to yeah. be here when to be with us. Yeah. And they can get uh, other resources too, just, uh, you know, anything from food to uh, clothing. And, and then we also still have, you know, tours there too, to come help with the students with homework. Love uh, that rock wall in there. Yeah, that, that's the dream. Yeah, that's, that's the dream. The that's, dream. yeah, that is I the dream. I see it for you yeah. guys. I see it. <laughs> We'll check in 10, we'll do another podcast in 10 years. I love it. We'll be like, remember, you this? remember this? And we talk yeah. about it. And I just want to thank you for all the support that, that you're offering to the community. It is amazing, this Dreamers Foundation that is opening up avenues to make the world a better place. And I just want to thank you for everything you've done with that. It's an outstanding goal and the work that you're doing is just amazing. Thank Absolutely. You. I really appreciate that. It's like, to me, that's like everything in life, right? It's just, that's the purpose. It's just helping people. And, um, and you guys do that every day. So thank you. I'm, I'm receiving it. <laughs> thank you for listeners. Thank, thank you. you guys for listening. listening She's amazing. Oh, you guys are so sweet. And the last thing I'll say is, um, where can people find you? Uh, pivotadventure.com is uh, the best place you can contact us through there if you're have a teen and need us some help uh, and if you're financially strapped too just let us know and we'll do our best to find scholarship money for you um, and uh, we have a free ebook available we do have a free ebook available through oh, there so yeah, that's the best way to get a hold of us. Awesome. And they are going to be at my event, you guys. Yes. Yes. And so please attend. Um, all of the proceeds go directly to them. Everyone that's involved in this is a volunteer. And uh, we're just wanting to help our community and help these teens find the resilience. So it's November 11th from 8.30 to 11. And it's going to be at this at the venue 669 uh, in in uh, downtown Salt Lake City. So awesome. we'll put the we'll place the link right on the you know right under the notes just so you guys can go ahead and purchase the ticket. But I want to thank you both for being here today, um, for sharing your hearts with everyone, for having such a purpose driven mission in life, and um, you literally save lives every day. So. I, my gratitude, my deepest gratitude for the two of you for your program. And I'm sure that many of our listeners are also very grateful for you. So 
Thank you. Thank you, guys. Okay, everybody, go and have a great day. We'll see, see you at the event. We'll see you at the event. Thank you for listening to this episode of Nudia's Mastermind. It's an absolute pleasure of mine to be able to share this space with you. There is something so powerful about brilliant minds coming together to help other people grow and to inspire them to enjoy the zest for life. Please subscribe and also follow me on YouTube and on Instagram. My handle is nudia.p.rivera. Now go and create an amazing life.